Hello. Uh, I'm in an SBS at our church, and it's called Chase the Lion. And it's a Bible study uh, that where we have to take risks for the Lord, uh, face our fears, and do this all so that we can fulfill the will of God. And so this past Monday, I was reading, uh, I was doing the Bible study. Is Caleb here? Uh, my teacher, Caleb. And it was talking about how we have to face our fears. And I listed my fears, and the next question was, are you chasing the lion? So are you chasing your fear? Are you going to try to conquer it? And so I felt an impression in my heart. You should speak at Friday Fire this <laughs> this coming Friday because Anita was supposed to speak, but she's really busy today. And so this is what I'm doing. I'm chasing my lion and facing my fear of public speaking and preaching the word of God to you today. Uh, so let's bow our heads and pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much uh, that you've given us a spirit, not of timidity, but of power and of love and a sound mind, God. I thank you, Lord, that you have anointed me to preach today. Uh, God, the word that you have given to me, Lord, I just pray, Father, uh, that the hearts will be made ready, uh, receptive to hear, Lord, and that, God, that you will encourage us and help us uh, to use this and really apply it in our lives in a practical way uh, to show the love of Christ to others. Uh, we just thank you so much uh, that you constantly shower us with your love and your encouragement uh, and that you accept us just as we are. And we pray, God, uh, that as we come to a greater revelation of this, uh, Lord, that we will be uh, God's hands and feet to the people around us. Uh, we thank you so much. Uh, we love you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo. Okay. Uh, so today... I will be speaking on something uh, that I know that we all struggle with. Um, as I've been meeting with my accountability group, uh, as many younger sisters have been coming to talk to me, I realize that this is a huge problem uh, that young people today struggle with. And this is one of discipline. Um, Jim Ron, an American speaker and author, has very insightful quotes about discipline. He says uh, that discipline is the bridge between goal and accomplishment. For every, dis yeah. For every disciplined effort, there is a multiple reward. And Theodore Roosevelt says, with self-discipline, most anything is possible. Now it's clear here uh, that these people, these people that are very successful in the worldly standards, understand the fact that we need discipline to fulfill the dreams that we have. And it's this discipline in our lives uh, that will give us the skills and the knowledge that we need that we can fulfill God's plan for our lives and be the best at whatever uh, we're supposed to do. Now, I used to have this um, Jewish piano teacher named Mrs. Goldstein, and she would always tell me that I needed to practice the piano. And she would always encourage me and say, you know, you have a lot of talent, but if you don't practice, it's going to come to nothing. And so she would tell me that she was kind of like a child prodigy, a uh, piano prodigy that went to Juilliard. And she told me that every day at the age of uh, seven, she would practice five to six hours of piano a day. This is a seven-year-old, mind you. And in the beginning, uh, she would spend about an hour to two hours practicing the scales 
and doing all these finger exercises uh, because she knew that by doing this and being disciplined in this, that it would give her fingers the strength uh, to, you know, do these long pieces and go play these, like, uh, pieces that usually last about, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour. And so she did all these things out of discipline. And she told me later that all these other people in Juilliard, uh, by the time that they get there, that they every day they practice at least seven to eight hours uh, to become the dream of a concert pianist. And in this way, uh, as we begin to learn discipline, uh, we'll have all these uh, skills uh, that we'll need to really fulfill uh, what God has called us to do. Now, even the successful worldly people say this, uh, but the Bible also stresses uh, that we need discipline in our lives. Uh, in the Proverbs 15.32, it says, He who ignores discipline despises himself. Yikes, yes. Uh, discipline is something we desperately need uh, to accomplish all the amazing things uh, that he has in store for us, the things he has in store for this church, and the things that he has for this nation. Can I get an amen? Woo! Now, people today, we seek to have discipline in so many areas of our lives. Uh, if you think about working out uh, and what they eat. Now, in order to accomplish these disciplines, uh, people will, will take the time uh, to go to a gym a couple times a week. They'll make sure not to eat fast food and try to eat as many fruits and vegetables every day. Now, in the same way, uh, Christians seek to have spiritual disciplines uh, by setting aside time in the morning uh, where they can pray and read the Bible. Now, we do these disciplines because we know uh, that by doing these things, we'll get to know God better, our faith will grow, and ultimately will produce much fruit. Now, every day and every week, I try these spiritual disciplines, and a lot of the times I fail. Now, you can ask my accountability group, and all we do these days is we encourage each other, we rebuke one another, we challenge each other uh, to read the Bible, to pray consistently, uh, to memorize verses, and read Christian books. Now, these are all disciplines that I think would definitely grow us and make us awesome people of God. Uh, but there's a discipline recently uh, that God's been speaking, as he's brought to my attention. And I noticed that it's a spiritual discipline that I haven't done so well with. And looking around and uh, seeing <laughs> the people at the church, I also noticed that it was pretty common that we don't take this discipline and try to master it. Now, this discipline is the discipline of encouragement. And this discipline is so important for us to master. He commands, God commands us uh, to show love to one another. And one of the ways that we can do this is to show encouragement to each other. Now, myself included, uh, we use so many excuses about not encouraging others. And we might say something like, you know, I'm not a natural encourager. Or, I never got encouragement from my parents, so I don't know what to do. Or, you know what, that person is so holy, I just don't know how to encourage him. We have tons of excuses for not encouraging the people around us. But I think these are all terrible excuses for a discipline that God is telling his people to strive for and to do every day. Now, the main passage today, it comes from Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 23 
Is everybody there? Okay, so people with the ESV, uh, let's read it together. One, two, three. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglected to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Amen. So the writer of Hebrews is telling us that we must encourage one another, and especially as the second coming of Jesus is drawing near. Now, you might ask yourself, what's the big deal? Uh, what's going to happen if I encourage my brother or sister? And why do I have to do this? Well, this is what I will preach on today. So if you're ready to hear it, say, yeah. Sorry, I told my house church that I was going to dance up here today, so I had to add that in. Um, okay, now, uh, the first reason that we must seek discipline of encouragement is that encouragement fights against discouragement. Encouragement fights against discouragement. Now, discouragement is one of Satan's favorite ways to attack Christians. Now, if you think about it, it's not as intense as like envy or hatred or lust, but it's a, a sly tactic that he uses often because pretty much in every situation every day he can use it and the people of God can get discouraged. Now, I just thought of a couple examples um, from my life or people around me, uh, but let's just uh, take it from the beginning of the day. Now, let's say you fail to wake up early and from there the discouragement starts. You, you feel really guilty you hear the accusations in your head. You woke up late again. When are you ever going to be disciplined? You can have a solid morning QT and you will never be productive. And that's how the day starts. You go on and you head to work and more discouragement comes your way. <laughs> You're on a crowded bus. You know how like, in the morning, it's like all these ajumas and ajushis like, are pushed up on you. And they're pushing you like this and like it really hurts. Man, these people, and you start to get really irritated and annoyed. And you can, in fact, you can even imagine yourself kicking those people and them flying outside the bus doors. And now more, <laughs> more of Satan's sly attacks come again. Look at you. Even from early in the morning, you are getting annoyed and angry. Don't you have God's love in you? What's wrong with you? Now, it's so easy uh, for these daily circumstances to bring discouragement to us. And it's so funny how Satan can use like such a small thing, a comment that maybe a coworker said in passing, or a disappointment, and use that to dishearten God's people. Now, all these little things, although one by one it doesn't seem like very much, it starts to add up and add up, pile up build up and so we get so discouraged that now it's not only discouragement but now it becomes a despair and that despair becomes hopelessness and then you just pretty much lost faith you know and you just feel so down and you're all over the place and discouragement is pretty much the stepping stone uh, for the devil for deeper sins to be produced in our lives it's the thing that satan does in order to get god's people into bondages of like depression or self-pity and so, in order to stop this, we have to stop it at the very first stages, which is discouragement. Now, if discouragement is a tool that Satan uses, 
then a powerful weapon for us, for Christians, is encouragement. And by encouraging people, we can powerfully put a stop to discouragement uh, before it becomes anything worse. We can stop it in the first stages so that God's people can live a life of joy and of victory. Now, reading the Bible sometimes when I get really discouraged, I try to look up these verses uh, that have a lot of promise and try to give me hope. And one of my favorite verses is Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now we know that through this verse, whatever happens to us, how terrible our circumstances, whether it be like joblessness or death in the family, that still God's promise to us is that he will turn everything for our good. And another promise that I love is Philippians 4.7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, since we're God's children, he promises us that whatever the world throws at us, anxiety or persecution, that this peace will transcend everything. Now, these are just two verses of many uh, of promises in the Bible. And God promises us so many good things. But, you know, there's those times where you're so discouraged and even though you know these verses and you recite them over and over and over again, it's kind of like you're in this dark pit of hopelessness. And you just can't pull yourself out of it. Now, when we're in such a slump and in this dark hole of discouragement, we get so hopeless and we just don't have the strength to pull ourselves out. Now, it's in these times that God loves to use his people uh, to show encouragement to the weary. Uh, so once I was listening um, to this Graham Cook sermon, and he was saying how every day he asks the Lord, and he prays for encouragement, and that no matter how he feels, whether he's happy or sad or discouraged, that every day he prays, God, send encouragement my way. And so I thought that was a good prayer, and I started to pray that every time I could remember. And God was very faithful to answer that prayer, actually, after I started to pray it recently. Um, and so looking back, I looked in my journal, and I wrote all these uh, things in the Bible, maybe, uh, that God, I felt like, was personally speaking to me, or sermons that God was using to encourage me. But the vast majority of the time was God bringing encouragement through a person. Now, whether it be something as simple as a telephone call, or a text message, or an email, uh, God used so many other people uh, to bring encouragement into my life. And in this way, uh, God's calling his people uh, to be, you know, God's love manifested to us by showing us his encouragement every day. Now, I just got back from Pattaya a couple weeks ago, and this trip was completely, it, it totally changed my life. And uh, one of the things that the Extreme Prophetic staff did every day was uh, they would constantly encourage us and tell us how amazing they thought we were and uh, pray for us and do all these things pretty much 24-7 uh, that we were there for one week. And so in the beginning, it was really weird for me because um, I had never been in such an environment where everyone was so lovey and happy and joyful all the time. Uh, in the beginning, I got a little bit weirded out. But 
as the week went on, I saw how God was using uh, the people that went with us and how he started to use me to reach out to other people. And I realized that a huge thing was because the environment that they created was one of encouragement and one of love that it just brought out the best in us to go on and to serve other people. So in that same way, uh, I just encourage you guys uh, to not look at encouragement as a little thing. It really does bring a lot of life. It helps people who are really discouraged uh, to jump back up again. Now, I thought of some practical things that we can do uh, to encourage our fellow brother and sister. Now, Caroline told me this testimony uh, while we were eating lunch one day. And she said, uh, this is when, back when she was a newcomer. And she said that uh, our brother Diddy had really encouraged her uh, every Sunday. So honestly, I was expecting something like really grand um, from it. And she told me, yeah, every Sunday he said hi. And so I was like, that's it? And she was like, yeah, it really encouraged me. And so I was, I was really shocked that like a simple high could do it. Um, but apparently it worked with Caroline and it helped her to stay at our church. And so the first thing that I think you guys can do really is be good at greeting one another. I think it's something that we're like, we tend, it's, we think it's not that big of a deal. Um, I find myself doing this as well, like people that we know really well, like uh, Lisa, my roommate, or family members, or whatever. Like I just don't greet them as well as I do like a newcomer or someone that I don't know very well, you know? Um, so I really just encourage you guys uh, not to do that with the people uh, that you know very well. Give them a hug, say hi, smile, and genuinely mean it, you know? Because these people, they're gifts of God in your life. And so really go out of your way uh, to greet newcomers, uh, greet the pastor, give him a hug. He loves hugs. Um, just smile and be really friendly to people is one in greeting people. Okay, second is uh, one of the times in Pattaya we were walking around and I was like really in my little like self-pity hole. And I was walking around. We were getting ready to do outreach. And I had, um, I have this problem of like wanting to be by myself and getting like not wanting to talk to anybody um, when I'm like really discouraged. And so I just put in my two earphones and I was kind of ignoring everybody. And so we kept walking and our uh, Lucian, I mean Roy, our leader, he, all he did was he came up beside me. And he took one of my earphones and he plugged it into his ear. And so we were walking together, one ear in mine and one ear in his, and that was it. And I don't know why, but that just brought so much comfort to me. Um, because I know that I can be really um, unapproachable uh, when I'm in those moods. And so the fact that he did that like little thing to reach out and kind of it kind of showed me like I'm next to you I'm with you like he didn't even have to say anything but all he had to do was a simple act and by the time that we had got to the end of the street like I felt I felt better so I turned off my iPod and we started to minister that day now the amazing thing is 
is after I got that encouragement through Roy was the first time that I ever um, prayed for someone and they got healed. And so uh, me and Erin were, uh, she saw this like little like really chubby um, girl, this butterball girl, and she was walking around and she couldn't, um, she couldn't walk very well. It was like this. And so we went over to pray for her. And as we started to pray, it was the first time I ever felt like the presence of God uh, while we prayed. Like I, we've prayed for several people and sometimes things happen. Most of the times they didn't. Um, but it was the very first time that I felt like the presence of God there. And so that made my faith go up, and which made Aaron's faith go up. And so we started to watch her. And as she started walking, her feet started going doot. <laughs> like this, right? We're like, yes, yeah, she's healed. But then it started to go, <laughs> and it started to go back out again. But at the time, actually, I just, we felt so strongly that God would heal this girl that we told this lady very boldly that we definitely believe that God would heal her. She wasn't a Christian, I don't think. But anyway, after that, the healing happened when I saw her uncle and I asked if he, um, needed any healing and so he said that he had a problem with his back and so i said can i pray for you but by that time my faith was all like Woo, like i can take on the world and so i put my hand on his back and i prayed for him twice and then he said the pain was gone and so it's these simple things of encouragement that can really uh bring people out of their slump so the second thing i think uh a way to encourage people is to just show them simply that you're standing by them so it doesn't have to even be something that's like really big. Just send a text, you know, send an email, show your appreciation. Like I know a lot of us, we have so much love, but we just forget to let people know sometimes. Um, so just do this. Send your leader an email, give a person a hug. Uh, just show people that really you're standing by them. I loved it. It was awesome. Okay, uh, my second point is that encouragement empowers others. Now, just as encouragement fights against discouragement and brings out the best in people, encouragement empowers others to fulfill the will of God. Now, us Christians, we're here on this earth uh, to fulfill the will of a father. And the devil knows this. Now, the devil, Satan, he tries everything in his power from preventing God's people to do this very thing. Now, whether it be by giving us discouragement or disease in our family or whatever, it seems to happen a lot of things in the family, right, where he wrecks it. It's Satan's goal to stop the people of God from fulfilling his will on this earth. Now, the truth, the truth and the fact is that us Christians will always in a spiritual war while we're on this earth and spiritual warfare is just something that we have to get used to and just continually fight now every day we're we are crying out for the salvations of our family and our friends and we fight for the transformation and the revival of the nations even now there's like tons of people here in the prayer meeting because we're coming because we believe and we're interceding because we know that our fight is not against flesh and blood. Now, we fight because we know that in the death of Jesus that the price has been paid and that through the resurrection we have a victory in him already. Now, frankly, fighting gets tiring sometimes. And 
especially times where you've been praying for your family members for years and years, you just feel exhausted and you're tired. And sometimes we lose our gas. Um, our prayers become less frequent and we just start to lose hope because it seems like God's not listening to our prayers. And it's in these times where people are weary and discouraged and tired of fighting that encouragement can truly empower them. Encouragement will give people hope, will give them more faith, and then empower them to do the will of God. Uh, so going back to the main text, uh, Hebrews 10.24, in, actually in the NIV it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now in here the word spur in Greek it means to encourage. So what Hebrews 10.24 is saying is that we need to encourage others so that we will love and do good deeds. Now this is one of the most important purposes of encouragement. We're not, I'm not, you know, <laughs> we don't come here to encourage people so that it'll just be like empty flattery and just complimenting them so their heads get bigger. Uh, we're encouraging them so that we can help them to love and help them to continue on the faith and to persevere and fight the good fight. We encourage them so that when they're burnt out, they will continue to strive for love and good deeds. And it's through this encouragement that will help people to fulfill the will of God in their lives. Now, we look at our Father, and He's an amazing encourager. And all throughout the scriptures, God gives His words of affirmation and encouragement to His people. And so many times we look uh, in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they're so discouraged, they're so hopeless, they're turning to other gods, but... It's in God's love and grace that he still encourages them, and then in turn they become empowered. Now in the book of Judges, uh, there's a famous story of a man named Gideon. And this man was so scared of Israel's enemies that he hid his wheat in the wine press so they couldn't find it. And it's in this wine press where God sends an angel to him to encourage him and to comfort him. Now, when I was reading this, I thought, wait a second, a wine press should not carry wheat. But he's bringing all this in here because he's so scared of the people around him. He doesn't want them to steal things from him. So now I started to think, man, how must Gideon feel right now? He's by himself in the wine press hiding. And he must probably feel so discouraged. He probably thinks, man, I, I'm terrible. I, I, I just suck. And... I can imagine how alone he feels and how much he feels like God's forsaken him, that God's forgotten about him. He's probably filled with so much hopelessness. And it's in this place where God, he sends an angel to him to encourage him. Now, I think, man, I wish sometimes when I hear that Brady sees all these angels uh, that I could see one as well. But I really think that if I saw an angel, that I would be so encouraged. Now, this guy, he's in the wine press. And this angel... The first thing that he says is, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, in the natural, all I could see was Gideon's weaknesses. He's scared. He's hiding in the wine press. He says that his clan is the weakest of Manasseh. And in that clan, his family is the weakest, and he's the weakest of his family. But he must be so discouraged at this place right now and thinking that he's just totally alone. But it's in this place of utter despair 
that God sends an angel to encourage him and to speak life into him. He says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You know, God doesn't just stop there. He sends even more encouragement his way. You know, the whole thing with the fleece and wetting the fleece and drying out the fleece. And after more encouragement, Gideon fulfills his call as a mighty warrior to go off and win against many of Israel's enemies and to take down the tower, the altar of Baal. It's in this way, as God encouraged Gideon through this angel, that in the same way that we have the responsibility as God's people to encourage others. It's not only uh, showing them love and doing these things, but it really empowers people to fulfill the call of God in their life. Now, um, I actually, I didn't actually write up my Patai testimony yet. It's kind of way overdue, but um, I think the reason was, well, one, because I was going to talk a lot about it a lot today. I was going to write about it in the beginning of the week. Uh, but I think it's just, I was so blown away. And God did an amazing work of inner healing in my life um, through, this Patai, uh, through this Patai trip. And it was totally, totally through the encouragement and the love of my team and uh, the people around me, uh, the staff and uh, the people there. And I met with Marcus and John and Myungha, and I told them this story about how, it w- although I've been Christian like all my life, and although I love you guys and I love New Philly, um, that it was just really hard for me to accept the love and all the encouragement that came my way for one entire week. Um, I felt like a, I felt like a like a Christian hippie, you know. Like love and peace and joy. Yes. You know, and I just, it was just so odd. It was really, it was really, it was really strange. And as I was sharing this, you know, before I went to Pattaya, um, uh, God was revealing a lot of things in my heart. Uh, a lot of things that, you know, hurts from the past that he was just bringing up to the service now. And one of those things was I used to have a terrible relationship with my mother in high school, like really bad. We would like throw things at each other and like slam the door and it's really destructive and whatnot. But I realized that like that was the key root for me to close up and not to be vulnerable with the people around me and to shut people out that like, you know, that I would have that mentality, this like self-pity mentality, like I just want to be myself, I don't want anyone to talk to me, go away, and like really grumpy, that that was the root of the problem. Now, in the natural, I've been trying to solve this problem of me going on missions, because I get attacked like this every missions we go on, and get in this like self-pity hole, and everyone's like, oh, what's wrong with her, I thought she's joyful. <laughs> but it's the fact is that like, I'm really joyful because I have these times of like self-inclusion with the Lord by myself. But in missions, uh, I can't hide that. And so before we went on missions, God revealed this root to me. And for the first time, I openly admitted the ways where my mothers hurt me. And a lot of the time I used to like, I used to excuse it because I felt like a lot of the things that she was saying was true. Um, whether it be like, how I was doing terribly in school, why not, whatever. But I kept excusing it because I felt like um, they were true and that I didn't acknowledge the feelings that I felt hurt 
or the way I felt. And so all of these feelings from high school are coming up. So I'm like a utter mess before Bataya and I'm like crying all the time and I'm praying. But it was like such a huge key to the breakthrough in my life to be able to receive the love and the encouragement that people gave to me in Pattaya. Now, it was the first time actually in Pattaya that uh, God used me to heal. It was the first time that I wasn't in this like self-pity hole for too much long in a missions trip. Um, it was the first time that I was vulnerable in front of um, my friends and to cry out for help. It was the first time that I asked for prayer. Um, I mean, I asked for prayer, but not when I'm like really down. It was the first time I asked for prayer. And so I was like, oh my gosh. It's like my world was like completely rocked on this trip. And the root of it was because of the encouragement of the people around me. And the root of it was because of all the love, uh, the kind words, um, the things that uh, my teammates and the people in Pattaya did to me that empowered me to go out to share the gospel, empowered me to be bold, to pray for healing, and to do all these things. Now, I've come back, and that's all I can think about is how awesome and amazing it was in Pattaya and how 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 it's a little bit strange and off that I wasn't used to this kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I kind of thought, man, this is what church and this is what Christianity should be all the time. We should all be love hippies, Christian love hippies, all filled with love and joy and peace and just like sold out and in love with Jesus. That should be our lifestyle, you know? And just as all these amazing signs and miracles happen in Bataya, through that, man, how awesome would it be if New Philly was a place where we could do this 24-7? Like, how much would we rock the city of Seoul if all we did was take seriously the disciplines of encouragement and go out and, and greet people and hug people? <laughs> And tell them that they're amazing. And thank them for things that we're supposed to be doing. That's another thing I learned, by the way. They always thanked us for things that I thought we were supposed to be doing. They'd be like, oh, guys, you guys are awesome. Thanks so much for coming on time. Thanks so much for being such a blessing. Yeah, and every morning we got fed these things. And I was like, oh, my God. We're supposed to be doing these things. Why are they thanking us? But later I realized, oh my gosh, it brings so much power and so much life. You know, just to thank people for, you know, quote, quote, what they're supposed to be doing. So let's just really use this lesson. I think that our church has grown so much in hospitality and loving on others. But I don't think that that should be like the floor. We should completely aim for the ceiling of having this consistent 24-7 encouragement, lovey-dovey, joyful, peaceful place in our church so that newcomers will come, non-Christians will come, and they'll be so weirded out by the love that we have to give. And they'll be like, why do they love me? They don't know me. Why are they doing these things for me? And then that will rock their minds and bring them to Christ. You know, it's not, we have so much power here and so much of the Holy Spirit, but when it comes down to it, it's so much more about love. And God manifests His power through us 
because he wants to show that individual that he loves them and that he knows that they're hurting and he knows that he can heal them and in this way I just really encourage you guys to take the discipline of encouragement seriously it can break bondages off people it's a world for me of inner healing it bring you to the next step it can make people really fulfill their callings like God did with Gideon just a simple encouragement will just bring people to the place where they can really fulfill uh, the will of God in their lives so let's try and make New Philly a joyful peaceful loving Christian hippie paradise Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your love and God, uh, just for your faithfulness. Uh, that Lord, that you love us not because of what we do uh, or what we are, but just because it is your gift and your desire to love us. It is your grace, God, uh, that we are loved by you. So we just thank you. And God, it's out of that place of encouragement and out of that place, Lord, of pure acceptance, God, uh, Lord, that outsprings all the things uh, that we do for you, Lord. It starts at that place, Lord, of acceptance and that place of love, God. We don't try with our flesh. We don't keep trying to do these disciplines and doing that. But, Father, we just want to start at the place, at the foot of the cross, that, God, that we are covered with Jesus' righteousness. And there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we can't do.